take your Bibles this morning and turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. I came across that song and I said, boy, what a, what a great song. And not that there's anything wrong with the traditional Christmas carols and all this stuff. They're great. And, uh, but, you know, we've, well, they've been, we've been singing those for hundreds of years, most of them. And so it's always nice to find another song that's, boy, that just really uh, pinpoints the, the reason for Christmas. And Jesus Christ, he was a baby, but he was God. He was, he was a baby, but he was the king. The wise men knew it. The shepherds knew it. Everyone that came and was part of the Christmas story as we know it knew it, and we should know it. Jesus Christ is the king. And, of course, we take the time around this time of year to celebrate the fact that he came as a baby, and uh, it's a tremendous, tremendous thing. I, I can't imagine, you know, God himself humbling himself to the point where he was willing to come and be born, not just be born, but be born in a stable, be born and be laid in a manger. This was a king. This was God. You'd think that he would have, you know, uh, well, let me be born in a, in a king's palace. Let me have everything. I'll die for them, sure, but let me have the luxuries that I can have until then. No, he, he was the, the lowest of the low and the least of the least, and he made himself uh, into that so that he could be what we needed him to be, and that was a savior. Luke chapter 2, of course, is the, the Christmas story, and we're going to get to that eventually. Um, but I wonder what you're doing for Christmas this year. You know, it's, it's true that most of us really need absolutely nothing. In fact, what happens most of the time, the thing that we suffer through is trying to get rid of enough toys to fit them into the designated spaces in the rooms that they belong in. You know, and not just for the kids, for the adults too, right? We're trying to, I mean... It's amazing to me that as you look around, and of course, they find a square inch of, of space and they put a building on it, but every other one is a storage unit, you know, a storage facility. And why is that? It's because we have so much stuff. We have these big houses, huge, you know, places for storage in our house, and we still don't have enough room, so we got to go rent a storage unit to fill everything up so that way we can keep paying on it for years and years and years and never touch the stuff that's in there, right? Isn't that the way that happens most of the time? But we have to clear out rooms so we can put more stuff in there. Most of us don't need anything, and as soon as, you know, as soon as we give enough toys away, a birthday or Christmas or grandmama rolls around and we have more stuff than we can handle again, right? Uh, we're so blessed. In fact, I, I heard on the radio the other day that the average family spends around $1,600 at Christmas. Now, my poor kids, they're not getting anywhere close to $1,600 worth of presents, but that's the average, which you mean, you know, you know that people are spending well above that, too. But I, I don't think it's, you know, it's, it's all that bad of an idea to give gifts at Christmas. But I think, I think we make the mistake so often of forgetting what Christmas is all about. We talk about the commercialization of Christmas and everything else. And, you know, it's turned into a giant money-making opportunity. And, and, and sure, you know, if, if you're selling things, why not use that as an opportunity to sell some of the stuff that you have? But Christmas is not about the toys. It's not about the gifts. It's not about eating way too much, although all of those things are part of, of the Christmas celebration, right? Those are all nice parts of Christmas, but Christmas would not be if it were not for the birth of Christ. I love everything about Christmas. I love the lights. Have, have you ever done the tacky lights tour? This area, I had never even heard of it before I moved down here. I've been here 13 years now, but that there is no such thing in most places of the country as a tacky lights tour. It's something that's pretty neat that we can do around here and go see those displays where people just go way overboard on a lot of that stuff. And you know what? I will gladly go drive up in your yard and look at the months and months of work that you spent putting up all those tacky lights so that we can enjoy it. 
And I'm thankful that people do that. But I love that. I love the lights. I love the decorations. I love setting up the tree. I love, I love the giving. I love the spirit of Christmas. I love the songs of Christmas. They've been playing in our home for about a month now. We don't start till Thanksgiving night. But once Thanksgiving night rolls around, we start playing those Christmas songs, and they play pretty often in our house. You know, the, the, the songs of the season, Christmas carols. It seems like the whole world starts to sing at this time of year. Now, the great philosopher, Charlie Brown, asked, why can't it be Christmas all year long? And Lucy, in her sarcastic way, said, you're a fanatic, Charlie Brown. Perhaps. Perhaps he was, and perhaps I am too. I love everything about Christmas. I wouldn't mind if it was Christmas all year round. But there's only one way for that to happen. Wouldn't it be wonderful if people could live all year with a song in their hearts? We get, we, you know, everybody likes to play the Christmas music. You go into the stores, and you go into the, you know, into the shopping malls, and they're all playing Christmas music, and everybody's, well, supposed to be happy. They're not always, but they're supposed to be happy around that time of year. Wouldn't it be nice if we could have that feeling all year round, there's only one way that that can happen, and that's the only song that lasts is a song about a person instead of an event. We couldn't stand songs about snow and the commercial trappings of Christmas all year long. I mean, look, by the time Christmas gets here, I'm ready for the Christmas songs to be done, you know? It just seems like, have you ever listened to the, um, uh, I use Spotify now. And we make our own playlist. We put it together a playlist of all the old traditional songs, some of the newer, you know, uh, uh, Christian groups that I put out, you know, Christmas CDs and things like that. And it's just, it's, it's a lot nicer than, you know, hearing about uh, every, every fifth song, you know, rocking around the Christmas tree or somebody telling the baby how cold it is outside and all that stuff, you know. But if you ever listen to the radio and they have their Christmas music, it's like they have 10 songs that they play on repeat and that's it. You know, by the time you get to the end of the season, you're just like, all right, I've heard this song for the thousandth time. I'm done with it. You know, and that's what I'm saying. Those songs, they get old because it's about giving and Christmas and, you know, uh, you know, winter and all those things. And those are fine. There's nothing wrong with those, but they get old after a while. So how can you have that Christmas song in your heart all year? Because it's not about winter and gifts and Santa and Rudolph and all of those other things. It's about Jesus Christ. And when you're singing about Jesus Christ, that never gets old. That never gets old. Uh, this, the Christmas story is full of Christmas music. Celebrating the birth of Christ has always been associated with joy and with a song. The song has one subject. That is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. So this Christmas Sunday morning, I want to tell you about the song of Christmas and what it's all about. Let's pray, and then we'll look at the song of Christmas this morning. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us, and thank you for this time of year that we can spend together. And I know it's, it's nice to be able to give, a, give away gifts. It's nice to be able to spend time with family. It's nice to have all the gatherings and do all the things that we do around Christmas. But God, I pray that you'd help us not to forget the real reason for Christmas. That is the birth of Jesus Christ. And not, not only that, I pray that you'd help us not to forget the real reason for the birth of Jesus Christ. And that was so he could come to die for our sins. God, I pray that you'd Help us as we listen this morning. Help me as I preach this morning to, to get exactly what you have for us to get out of this message. Well, thank you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to tell you, first of all, that the song of Christmas is about a person. The angel choir is recorded in Luke chapter 2, and we know the Christmas story, but think about this. Luke chapter 2 and, and verse number 10, and of course, um, 
Well, actually, you know the story. The shepherds were out in the fields, and, and the next thing you know, uh, the, well, the Bible says in verse 8 that we're in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. They were just out there in the fields, and I'm sure, you know, they were, it's, this, this was just a, uh, not a lazy job necessarily, but you get around at night, and the sheep are all laying down, and the shepherds are probably doing everything they can to keep their eyes open. You know how it is if you've ever worked the midnight shift, you know, or, or worked late, and, and here these shepherds are just, just laying around there with staffs in their hands, watching the sheep. And the next thing you know, the Bible says in verse number 9, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, get this, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. They were singing about the Messiah. They were, they were, they were heralding the birth of the Savior. These were the same angels, by the way, that sing around the throne of God in heaven. If you want to, turn over to Revelation chapter 5. Keep your finger there in Luke chapter 2. We're going to come back to it, but... They, these angels in heaven practice over and over and over and over. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 11, and of course, this is John writing about things that are to come, but he's writing about things that he's seeing in heaven. And it says in Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 11, And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them, get this, was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Imagine how big the throne of God must be for 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands of angels to be gathered around this throne singing. But that's what they do. That's what these angels are doing. They're singing to God. Verse, verse 12, get this, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing, and honor, and glory, and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb forever and ever. They're singing to Jesus Christ. Amen. He is God. And so that same angel choir, I don't know if God told all of them to go down there and sing, or if he just took this group of them and sent them down there. I don't know exactly how it was, but the shepherds were sitting there in the field that night, and the next thing you know, the entire sky was filled with angels singing about the birth of Jesus Christ. Glory to God in the highest, they sang. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Can you imagine what that must have sounded like? Can you imagine being those shepherds? I'm sure a few of them at least were rubbing their eyes thinking, boy, if I can only wake up, what is this, you know? They were not expecting that. It's not like they had read the Christmas story and this is December 24th and now they're waiting for Christmas to come around. They didn't know, they, they knew that Jesus Christ was coming, they didn't know when. They were looking for that Messiah. And here, the next thing you know, the entire sky is just filled with light and filled with angels singing about the birth of Jesus Christ. It's amazing to hear a good choir sing wonderful songs. You know, but, but these were angels. There was no chance that one of them was off key. There was no chance that one of them was, you know, singing the wrong words. There was no chance that, that, they, you know, that one of them would have just been up there showing off for himself. These were the angels that gather around the throne of God and sing glory and power and honor and blessing. They were singing to herald the news that Jesus Christ was born. And I'm not sure if it's a conscious decision by those that are 
seeking to drown out the name of Jesus Christ, but the commercialization of Christmas has served well to take the focus off of what Christmas is all about. Calling it Xmas or saying Happy Holidays instead of Merry Christmas. It's just an attempt to remove the very person for whom the angels sang on that wondrous night in Bethlehem. Without Christ, there is no Christmas. Christmas should always lead to worship. It should lead to to bowed heads. It should lead to bended knees. It should lead to the blessed songs about Jesus Christ, since it is his birthday after all. You know, how hurt he must be to see that he's been removed so much from his own birthday. And Jesus never asked us to celebrate his birthday. He never said, thou shalt celebrate Christmas every year on December 25th to remember me coming to this earth. It doesn't say anywhere in the Bible, but if, if, if it wasn't a big deal, there wouldn't be stories about it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We wouldn't have the entire Christmas story recorded in such a large portion of those two chapters in Luke if, if God didn't care about us knowing whether Jesus Christ came and was born or not. You know, imagine how you would feel if, if on your birthday, everyone came over and made a big celebration, and they had a wonderful time with their families, and they turned their back on you every time they saw you walking around. They gave gifts to everybody else, but they made a conscious effort not to give one to you because it was only your birthday. Imagine how you would feel. You'd probably feel pretty hurt. You'd probably feel pretty left out if everybody was doing everything to celebrate your birthday except celebrating you and except telling you happy birthday and except giving gifts to you. I can imagine you'd feel pretty hurt too. And I can tell you this morning that the, that the songs of Christmas are not about a fat man in a suit. They're not about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty the Snowman and all that stuff. The songs of Christmas are not about those things at all. The song of Christmas is about a person. It's about Jesus Christ. And that's what Christmas is all about. The song of Christmas is about a person, but also the song of Christmas is about his praise. Turn over to Luke chapter 1. You're not too far from there. I often speak with people who talk about praying to Mary. They pray to Mary to save them. They pray to for Mary to answer their prayers. They pray to Mary that she would allow them to be taken to heaven when they die. And I'm not taking away from Mary's virtue. Obviously, she was a very virtuous woman. The Bible makes that very clear. She was, she was the one that carried Jesus Christ. She was not just some, you know, random woman that, that God plucked off the street and said, well, you'll do. No, she was a very virtuous woman. She was the one that was, that was honorable enough to be able to carry the Son of God. But make no mistake, Mary is a sinner just like you and I are a sinner. And Mary has no ability to answer prayer. Mary has no ability to save you. And Mary has no ability to take you to heaven. Mary was going to need the baby that she delivered to deliver her. And Mary's song is, is recorded there in Luke chapter 1. And we don't have time to read the entire passage there. But she had gone to visit her cousin Elizabeth who lived out in the country. And she was also with child. She was, she was carrying John the Baptist, who was going to be the, the, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He was going to be the one to announce the birth of Jesus Christ. And so Mary, when she found out that she was with child, went to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And when she got there, uh, John the Baptist, the Bible says, leapt in her womb, just being in the presence of Jesus Christ. And Elizabeth told Mary that. Um, uh, she, she praised Mary. But Mary would have none of it. She focused the praise on Jesus Christ where it belonged. Look what it says in verse number 46. Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord, 
My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath hope in his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. Look at the focus that Mary is giving to Jesus Christ. She wasn't talking about, well, yes, pray to me for the rest of time. She wasn't doing those things. She was putting the praise and the glory and the honor on Jesus Christ. And that's what Christmas is all about. It's about his praise. The shepherds did the same thing after they visited the Christ child. Look over on the next page, probably in your Bible, in Luke chapter 2 and verse 20. The shepherds heard the angels, heard everything that the angels had said. They went into Bethlehem. They found the Christ child. They worshiped him. And as they were leaving, the shepherds, verse 20, returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told unto them. We find the same thing of Simeon and Anna in the temple. Uh, when when uh, they took Jesus to perform the Jewish ceremonies on the eighth day of his life. We, Simeon was an old priest, and he had prayed that God would not take him until he was able to see the Messiah, and God promised him that he would see the Messiah. And so we see in Luke chapter 2 and verse 28, they, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus into the temple to perform these ceremonies, and it says, Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. A few verses later, we see the story of Anna. In verse number 36, Anna was a, a widow. She had been married for only a short time, and it seems like she, after, she, after her husband passed away, she went and gave her life to serve in the temple. And she had been there for many, many, many years serving there in the temple. And Anna was also looking for the Messiah to come. And she said this in verse 38. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. My friend, the same thing will happen to you when you realize just exactly who Jesus Christ is. The Bible says in Psalm verse, chapter 40 and verse number 3, And he hath put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall put their trust in the Lord. Mary praised Jesus Christ. The shepherds praised Jesus Christ. Simeon and Anna praised Jesus Christ. And when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, he'll put that praise song in your mouth too. The song of Christmas is about a person. The song of Christmas is about his praise. And lastly, the song of Christmas is about his promise. Turn over to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, and this is kind of the, I wouldn't say an alternate Christmas story. This is, a, this is the, the Gospels coinciding with each other. Luke telling his story in Luke chapter 1 and 2. Matthew telling his story of the same things that happened in Matthew chapter 1. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, 
which being interpreted is God with us. That comes from Isaiah chapter 7 and verse number 14. That was prophesied way back in Isaiah's day. And now he's reminding them this is the fulfillment of that prophecy. And here's the promise. She shall bring forth the son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why is he here? And he shall save his people from their sins. The Bible says in John chapter 6, I am the way. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. And that's why he came. For he shall save his people from their sins. That's part of the Christmas story. The promise that he was coming not just to be born, not just to live a good life, not just to show us how we ought to live, not just to be an example, not just to be a prophet, not just to be a, a, a testimony to everybody around him, but to save us from our sins. That's why he came. That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus never would have had to be born if he wasn't coming to die. And there would be no Christmas without this promise. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, was God's gift to mankind. Seems kind of backward, doesn't it? When it comes time for your birthday, you don't go out and buy all kinds of gifts and give them to everybody else to celebrate your birthday. You wait for all the gifts to pile up on your door, right? Because it's your birthday. People are supposed to give you gifts on your birthday, but it wasn't that way with God. On the day that Jesus Christ was born, he gave the greatest gift that was ever given to mankind, and he gave his son, Jesus Christ. But there's a catch. God's gift has to be accepted. You know, an expensive gift is worth absolutely nothing if it's not accepted. A free gift is of no value unless it's accepted. A personal gift is of no value unless you accept it. God's eternal gift to you is of no value unless you accept it. John chapter 1 and verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. He's offering us the gift of salvation. And oh, there's so many people who believe the story of Christmas. They believe that Jesus Christ came, that he was born in a manger. He was born of a virgin. Doesn't make sense to us, but a lot of people believe it. He lived, he lived the perfect life. Doesn't make sense to us, but we believe it. He lived a life doing miracles, healing people, healing the sick, the blind, the lame, doing wonderful, wonderful things, preaching lots of great messages, giving us lots of good things to live by. There's a lot of people that believe that. Oh, and they even believe that Jesus Christ died and that he rose again from the grave. Hey, it's a great story. We believe it. They believe in Jesus, but they've never believed on Jesus. Because here they are out there trying to do everything that they can to earn their way to heaven. Well, certainly I'd have to be baptized, right? Certainly I have to give money to the church. Certainly I have to go to church. Certainly I have to help people where I can. Certainly I have to do everything that I can do to try to earn my way there. It can't just be as simple as accepting Jesus Christ, death on the cross to pay for my sins. But it absolutely is. If I had to do all of these things in order to get to heaven, then why did Jesus Christ even have to die? If it's not because of what he did on the cross, and it's because of everything that I can do, then why did Jesus Christ even have to die? 
Why is there even a story about him coming? Why is there even a story about him dying? Why is there even a story about him raising from the dead? If his death didn't do anything for me because I have to go do everything for myself, then why did he even come? Why did he die? And yet here he is offering us this gift, this wonderful gift of salvation. Not something that I have to do, something that he's already done. And he's saying, here, I've paid for this with my life. Will you accept it? There's a lot of people in this world today that are probably sitting in churches all across the country this morning saying, what a wonderful story. That's great. That's nice that he came and died on the cross, but I think I'll continue to work my way to heaven. I think I'll continue believing that everything else that I'm trying to do is going to get me there. And they may not say that with their mouth. They may not say that out loud. But that's what they believe. Do you know that that's exactly against what the Bible says? It's not me. It's him. You know, how do you receive that free gift? How do you accept the gift of God? Number one, you have to admit that you're a sinner. And I don't think that's very hard. Everyone has done bad things. Those bad things are called sins. It's like the guy that wrote a letter to Santa. He said, dear Santa, I've been good all year. Okay, most of the time. Once in a while. Never mind, I'll buy my own stuff. Because every one of us have done things. Every one of us have sinned. Another fellow wrote Santa, dear Santa, before I explain, how much do you already know? All right? I heard another young boy that wrote a letter. I've been good last month. Let's just focus on that. Right? That's how we all want to, we all want to see ourselves as good people. And I think for the most part, a lot of people are. But that doesn't mean that we're not sinners. Somebody who robs a bank one time is a what? A robber. Right? Somebody who murders somebody one time is a what? A murderer. And somebody who sins even once is a what? Is a sinner. I've disobeyed. I disobey my wife all the time. I've told a lie. I've done things that I'm not proud of in my life. I certainly try not to, but I've done them. And that makes me a sinner. And the Bible says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we have to admit that we're a sinner, but number two, we have to realize that sin has a penalty. Well, wouldn't it be great to just be able to go out and sin and do whatever you want to and have no penalty for it, no payment for it, right? Imagine what America would look like if there was no such thing as the justice system, right? You could go kill somebody and walk away and do it in front of a thousand people and nobody cares, right? You can go hold somebody up at gunpoint and take their wallet and walk away and nobody cares, I mean, that would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? I mean, there would just be absolute chaos because there has to be a penalty for things that you do that are wrong, and there is a penalty for those things. And the Bible says that that penalty is death. For the wages of sin, the penalty for sin is death. Could you imagine what it would be like to have somebody do something against you and walk away scot-free because a judge just, eh, I don't feel like doing anything about it. You'd be upset because that wouldn't be justice. And yet, we want God to just say, eh, I know you've done bad things, but eh, come on into heaven anyway. That wouldn't be justice, would it? So we have to realize that 
we're a sinner. We have to realize that, there, that sin has a penalty, but also we have to realize, and I've mentioned this briefly, but that your works cannot save you. Could you imagine picking your gifts under the tree based on how much you could pay for it? Oh, there's, there's one really small one, but it, it may be worth a lot, so I'm going to only charge you $15 for that thing. Pick wisely. Hope you have enough money to buy the presents that are under the tree for you. That, would be, that wouldn't be a gift. It, it would, sure wouldn't make Christmas very fun, would it? Well, I like that one. All right, let's see. How bad do you want it? Let's start the bidding at $20. Who wants to pay $20 for this gift? $25, $30, $35. I mean, it, it wouldn't be Christmas. You wouldn't be giving away gifts, would it? And that's the same thing. Jesus Christ, God, is offering us the gift of Jesus Christ. He's offering us salvation. If I had to do something to pay for it, it's not a gift anymore. I worked for it. I bought this thing. I might have got it at a huge discount, but I still paid for it. The gift of Jesus Christ is not something that you have to pay for or not even something that you can pay for. It's something that only can be given and only can be received. That's what a gift is. If I had to earn my way to heaven or could earn my way to heaven, then why did Jesus Christ even come to die? But then we have to realize that Christ did come to die for you. He came to die for me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. How? Repent and ask forgiveness for those sins. We're done, basically, but the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. He says in verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, there's a lot of us that think, well, certainly I have to go confess my sins to, to a priest, and I have to pay for my sins, and I have to, I have to do something to, to, to pay for them. But the Bible says no. We can go directly to Jesus Christ. I don't have to go through a man anymore. I don't have to pay for my sins physically anymore. I was, I was in, in Mexico City this was several years ago, uh, but I went and visited one of the largest basilicas there in Mexico City. And it was, it was so sad to me to see what was going on. There were people crawling around on their knees, bloody knees, because that's what they had been told by the priest that they needed to do in order to pay for their sins. They're working way harder than they have to. There is no work that needs to be done to accept Jesus Christ. He already paid for those sins. I don't have to do it. The amazing thing is this. If you die and go to hell, you die and go to hell with your sins paid for. There is nothing else that you have to pay. There's nothing else that you have to do. Jesus Christ already did it. That's why he came. And that's why the song of Christmas is all about the promise of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. As surely as Mary had a song on her lips and as surely as the song of the angels filled the air on that crisp night in Bethlehem, we have Christ's song in our heart. Those are the true songs of Christmas. Let me tell you the story and we'll be done. One of the songs that I like, it's not sung very often at Christmas, it was written by a man with a broken heart who found that 
the only joy is found in Jesus Christ. Henry Longfellow, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, had a beautiful wife of 18 years, five children. It was his second wife. His first wife had died, and he remarried, and they'd been married for 18 years. They had five children together. Life was good. And on July 10th of 1861, his wife accidentally dripped some hot candle wax on her dress, and it caught fire. And there was nothing they could do about it. They tried to put it out. They got her to the hospital, but that, that night she passed away. And the next Christmas, he wrote in his journal, how inexpressibly sad are all holidays. Longfellow slipped into a deep depression. Next year, in 1863, Longfellow's oldest son, Charles Appleton Longfellow, joined the Union Army without his father's blessing. Longfellow was basically informed by a letter from his son that was dated March 14, 1863. After Charles had left, his son wrote this, I've tried hard to resist the temptation of going without your leave, but I cannot any longer. I feel it to be my first duty to do what I can for my country, and I would willingly lay down my life for it if it would be of any good. Charles was soon appointed as a lieutenant, but in November, just a couple months later, he was severely wounded in the Battle of New Hope Church in Virginia during the Mine Run campaign. And his time was, as a soldier was finished. And it seemed to Longfellow that the darkness would only increase. Now his son ended up recovering from that, but he was wounded for life. During one of the holiday seasons, Longfellow wrote this, I can make no record of these days. Better leave them wrapped in silence. Perhaps someday God will give me peace. A Merry Christmas, say the children, but that is no more for me. <clears throat> but on Christmas Day in 1863, Longfellow's hope in God returned. Light came through the darkness. And he has a lot of references to the Civil War that are prevalent in some of the verses that are not commonly sung in this song. But from this experience, he wrote this. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how, as the days had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth. Goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth. Goodwill to men. And I'm sure his son's decision to join the army and his subsequent uh, injury was no doubt on his mind when he wrote the following verses. Then from each black accursed mouth the cannon thundered in the south. And with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth. Goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. And you can imagine how desperate he was when he wrote the words, and in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth. Goodwill to men. Somewhere in the midst of all that trouble and heartache, he realized that the only hope at Christmas time can be found in Jesus Christ. He wrote the inspiring last verse, then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. We live in a world of trouble and heartache. Never forget that God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. And on the night, the angels 
heralded the birth of the Savior with melodious strains of glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. They were sharing with the world the wonderful song of Christmas. If you've already trusted Christ as your Savior, keep your eyes and ears open to him and to his word. And he'll keep the song in your soul. But if you haven't, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, won't you open your heart to him? He'll put a song in your heart that you never understood. He'll put a song in there that's more beautiful and more sweet than anyone you've ever heard sung. That's what Christmas is all about. That's why Jesus came. For you and for me. That's it. That's the song of Christmas. What a promise. What a song. What a Savior. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. I thank you as we already have for coming to this earth to be born as a baby. Not so we could just have a sweet little story to to tell and to celebrate, but so that you could die on the cross and save us from our sins. God, I thank you for saving me so many years ago. I thank you for allowing me to hear how I could know for sure that I was going to go to heaven when I died. I thank you for allowing me to accept that gift. And God, I pray if there is somebody in here this morning that's never accepted the gift of Jesus Christ as their Savior, that they would get that taken care of today. Oh God, that we might not trust in our works, that we might not trust in the good things that we've done, that we might trust in you with our whole hearts. God, I pray if there is somebody in here this morning that doesn't know you as their Savior, that they'd be willing to step out of their seat when the invitation is played in just a few minutes and come forward and let somebody take the Bible and show them how they can know for sure that they'll be saved. Thank you again for everything that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, stand at your seats with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. There would be no greater gift that you could receive at Christmas time than to receive the gift of Jesus Christ. What a wonderful, wonderful thing that would be. He's offering it. It's not a gift under the tree necessarily. It's not wrapped in shiny bows and beautiful paper. But it's wrapped all the way throughout the Word of God, the story of Christmas, the song of Christmas, the fact that Jesus Christ came to die for you. He came to die for me. I'm a sinner. And I realized that many years ago. And I asked Jesus Christ to come in and to save me and to be my Savior. Won't you do the same if you've never done that before? We're not going to have a long, drawn-out invitation. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. There's nobody looking around that's going to be an embarrassment to you. But if you don't know for sure that you're saved, won't you come forward this morning and let somebody take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure that you can go to heaven when you die? What an amazing, amazing gift. There's no better gift that you could ever receive at Christmas than to receive the gift of Jesus Christ. As the piano plays, the invitation is open and you can come.
off. I'm telling you, you might not, you might not have tomorrow. You might not make it to Christmas Day. But we certainly all think we're going to and hope we will and, and probably will. But there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee. And if you're trusting in everything that you've done up to this point, if you're trusting in baptism, if you're trusting in church membership, if you're trusting in anything besides Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, and when God comes to call you and tells you your time on earth is up, I'm sorry, but you're not going to be spending eternity in heaven. You're going to be spending an eternity in hell. That's not popular today. That's not what everybody wants to hear today, but it's the truth from the word of God. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior and you slip away from the bonds of this earth, that's it. Your chance to accept Christ is over. I don't want to see that for anybody. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. I want to see everyone accept Jesus Christ as their savior. Not just because of the fact that you get to go to heaven when you die, but I know what it will do for your life. It will change your life completely. It changed mine. And I've seen God do it over and over and over in the lives of so many people. It changes your life. It gives you a peace that you don't understand if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Don't wait. She's going to play one more verse of this song. If you're putting it off, take that step. Come out and accept Jesus Christ.